Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission: to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Trekking through compliance, episode thirty-eight: Metamorphosis. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode Metamorphosis, which aired on November 13, 1967, and occurred on Stardate 4513.3. Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Ferry, Commissioner Nancy Hedford, from Epsilon Canaris III to the Enterprise and Shuttlecraft Galileo. The Commissioner, who had been on a diplomatic mission to stop a war, is ill with Sakuro's disease and needs treatment aboard the Enterprise. The shuttlecraft is forced down on a small planetoid by a sparkling cloud of ionized hydrogen. The planet has a nitrogen-oxygen atmosphere with traces of krypton, argon, neon, and a surface temperature of 75 degrees. Kirk is unable to contact the Enterprise despite the fact that the communications equipment appears to be functioning perfectly. On the planet, they find a man named Cochran who claims to have been marooned. Cochran tells them that there is some sort of dampening field on the planet which will prevent them from being able to get their shuttlecraft to work. Hedford begins developing a temperature, the first manifestation of her disease. Cochrane turns out to be space pioneer Zephyrm Cochrane of Alpha Centauri, the discoverer of the space warp. Thought to have been dead for 150 years, Cochrane has been kept alive and young for centuries by a doting gaseous alien called the Companion. The Companion intercepted his disabled ship and brought him to the planet, rejuvenating him. Cochrane has set, had set out in a ship at age 87 to die in space. Cochrane tells Kirk that the shuttlecraft has been diverted by the Companion to provide him with company. As Spock attempts to fix the Galileo, the Companion drops by to investigate. Spock attempts to touch it, but is given an electric shock. The Companion also takes this opportunity to fry the Galileo's electronics. Using his newfound knowledge that the Companion is, is at least partly an electrical phenomena. Spock builds a device to short-circuit it, and Cochrane is not happy at all about this endeavor, but agrees to summon the Companion. When the Companion arrives to commune with Cochrane and Spock activates his short-circuit box, Cochrane is electrically shocked and the Companion destroys the device and attacks Kirk and Spock. Fortunately, Cochrane regains his composure and summons the Companion away before it can harm them. Kirk then comes up with the idea of using the shuttlecraft's universal translation device which converts brainwave frequencies to attempt to communicate with the companion. This proves to be successful, and the companion turns out to be a female entity who is in love with Cochrane. Kirk attempts to convince the companion that humans pine away in captivity or cease to exist, as he puts it, but the companion does not believe him. Cochrane is greatly disturbed by the knowledge that the companion is in love with him, storms out saying he doesn't want to be fodder for any inhuman monster. At the same time, Hedford, in a feverish state, remarks that it is strange that Cochrane run runs away from love, while she herself has never had the opportunity to be loved. Kirk then tries to convince the companion that she is not capable of, of giving Cochrane true human love, and if she really le leaves him, she must let him go. If you love them, set them free. Anticipating a very famous line from rock and roll. Instead, she occupies and cures the body of Commissioner Hedford, 
who had been on the verge of death. She restores the shuttlecraft and communication devices to working order. However, the companion is unable to leave the planet without dying, and Cochrane decides to remain with her. Meanwhile, the Enterprise has discovered the asteroid field containing some 7,000 bodies and has begun searching the asteroids one at a time for the lost shuttlecraft. Fortunately, the search is greatly simplified by the resumption of communications as they prepare to depart. Kirk agrees not to mention his adventures with Cochrane. So what's a fun fact from this episode? Well, Cochrane reappears in the movie Star Trek VIII, First Contact. Although his personality and film are very, 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 very different than they were in the original. In the film, Cochrane is from Earth instead of from Alpha Centauri. Also, he's a raving alcoholic. Finally, the actor who plays Cochrane in the movie is six inches taller than Glenn Corbett, who plays him in the television show. Nevertheless, uh, he is Zephyrin Cochran, so he is uh, very well worshipped and highly regarded on planet Earth, as Geordi LaForge notes in the movie. So what are the days, what are the compliance takeaways from this episode? Number one, the every uh, compliance officer, I would shouldn't say that, most compliance officers had an underlying different profession before they came to the role of a chief compliance officer. In this episode, McCoy reminds Kirk that he's both a soldier and a statesman, or at least an ambassador for the Federation, and he should use those ambassadorial skills to contact the companion, which he does. Every uh, compliance officer who's a lawyer has those legal skills, and one of the dynamic tensions in compliance is that with the legal department, who is there, of course, to defend the corporation. The compliance officer, however, is there to prevent, detect, and then remediate. So what skills are you going to use? What skills are you going to utilize if you are required to do an uh, internal investigation? Are you going to be there to get someone, to uh, crack a nut? Uh, What are you going to do? Are you going to do a root cause analysis? If so, are you going to be able to ask the five whys? Or are you going to go after someone uh, to try to get them? So you've got to use many different types of skills as a compliance officer. And if you're a lawyer, sometimes you have to put your lawyer hat aside um, to do a compliance job a- accurately. Number two, uh, the actions of Zephyrin Cochran after he finds out the co- companion is female and an alien uh, are really antithetical to uh, any sort of uh, anti-prejudicial actions. It's clear he is prejudiced against an alien, particularly against an alien who has uh, indicated that she has feelings for him. So uh, you've got to make sure that that type of behavior does not exist within your organization. And finally, number three, how do you select your business leaders for promotion from the compliance perspective? What was the role for Cochrane going forward? Join us tomorrow on Trekking Through Compliance, where we take up Journey to Babel. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.